Hey, thanks so much for hitting that play button on the V1 Church podcast. My name's Evan. I'm part of the team here at V1 Church, and I believe that you made an awesome decision to tune into this message from our lead pastor, Mike Signorelli. There was such an energy and an atmosphere of expectancy in that room when he delivered this message, and I believe the same level of impact and life change can reach you right now, wherever and whenever you're listening to this message. So I encourage you to lean in, take notes, and listen to this message to the very end because it is jam-packed with information, revelation, and life change. So get ready for a message from Pastor Mike Signorelli. Man, I follow some of you on Instagram. I know what you're doing in the club all loud. You come in here all quiet because you're hoarse, because that Beyonce song came on. You come in here acting like you can't get loud. You can get loud. Can somebody prove it right now? (laughs) I just got to help you. Man, okay, let's make a deal. Do you promise that you will listen to me preach to you today. Okay, we're good, that's all I needed. The movie theater said you only have two hours, Pastor, no, I'm just kidding, but um, we don't have a tremendous amount of time because there's a movie that's coming in, and I love this phase of our church. I think it's gonna be funny one day. (laughs) We got kicked out for Resident Evil 4. (laughs) Only the demonic movies kick us out. (laughs) Mr. Rogers didn't kick us out. That Rogers movie came out, he was a man of God. I think. (laughs) And his movie didn't kick us out. And then the demonic ones, you know, they're like, oh, you guys got to cut service short. No time for Jesus. We got to make room for the devil here in the theater. I'm just kidding for everyone who's who's visiting. (laughs) I forget that you guys don't know me. In the hood, we said, you used to say, you don't know me. Anyone ever done that? The only way to respond is by fighting, right? (laughs) You don't know me. He's like, all right, I'll fight you now, I guess. <laughs> I'm the lead pastor. Of <laughs> My name is Mike Signorelli. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. One of them that's not listed in amongst that is seriousness. Mike, draw. <laughs> you have to have fun doing ministry or you will die. <laughs> You know, people are like, how have you and Pastor Julie stayed the game so long? We learned to laugh about it. Yeah. We really have, through the tears, right? <laughs> All right, so anyways, who has their Bible? Anyone have their Bible? My Bible glows because I've got some stuff I want to take you through today. If you need a Bible, uh, we are all out of print Bibles, but you can download our app if by searching V1 Church. You can um, search on God's platform if you have an iPhone or Satan Lucifer's platform if you're a droid user. Um, but, but we were able to strategically put our app in his kingdom. It's like a light in the darkness over there in that Google Play Store. <laughs> Um, I guess the thing that I wanted to say today that I want you to really leave with is the idea that for many of you, in order to obtain your destiny, you will have to forfeit your opinion. And that's like a really weighty thing to say. Um, let me tell, tell you how James said it in James chapter 3, verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Say every. every. Okay, let's back up now. 
James, so you all know John 3.16, James 3.16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and, and what? And every evil work. That's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, here's how I would have wrote it. A lot of times when I read the Bible, kind of where I get my revelation is I ask myself, if I wrote this, how would I write it? And that helps me understand how my mind is not conformed to God's patterns and thoughts. So the way that I actually would write this is where you find a coven of witches slaughtering chickens and doing voodoo and santeria. <laughs> Somebody's like, ooh, got me. <laughs> and doing witchcraft and hexes. There you will find every evil work doesn't that make more sense that makes sense to me that's hollywood that's people's heads spinning and projectile vomiting because you're doing seances and ouija boards and we all know what happens when you do a ouija board everyone i've ever talked to has a bad story about it you know that i if i wrote chapter 3 verse 16 i would say where you find all that in one place and everyone doing all those things you will find every evil work but instead, it actually, here's the revelation. It's envying and strife that breeds confusion in every evil work. Now, doesn't it make so much sense why you've encountered some of the most evil of your life in some churches? Was that too far? Everyone got real quiet like, oh, it's surgery time now. <laughs> no anesthetic. But where there is envying and strife, another way of saying strife is saying gossip. There is confusion and every other evil work come on. And I think it makes sense now because those things open up a portal and a gateway to hell. I mean, that's every evil work. Now, let's kind of do this. Have you guys been keeping up with this Jeffrey Owens thing? Any, any old school Cosby fans? Maybe, maybe not. It's like, so you got this guy, Jeffrey Owens, who used to, he was a reoccurring character on the, the Cosby show. And then all of a sudden now he's like a, a he's a, a gigging guy, you know, like he goes out and he gets acting jobs Well, he's in between jobs. So he gets a job at Trader Joe's. Have you guys been seeing this? Yeah. And, and then somebody, because see, we live in, in, in a culture where instead of helping somebody, we'd rather just take your picture or your video and laugh at it and put it online. You know what I'm saying? And so somebody had this ill intent, like, I am going to expose Jeffrey Owens to the world and show them where are they now. And they put this picture up of Jeffrey Owens. Now, let me tell you what's so funny about that, because this is where I'm going to start preaching off this thing for somebody here. Not every bit of gossip that happens about you is going to demote you. Sometimes God will allow gossip to actually promote you. Okay, you know, only people who clap read the news. Let me tell you what happened, okay? Let me let Papa Sigs read the news to you today. What happened was they put that picture up. They, they, they took, so they took this picture. It got syndicated through national news. And here's the reality of it. I used to be a high school English teacher. I know that's hard to believe. But I used to teach Shakespeare every year. And you have this character, Falstaff, who's like this bigger guy. So he gained weight for a character and then got a side hustle so he could feed his family. And somebody tried to hate on him by putting that picture up. And look how they decontextualize it. Doesn't it look like he just gave up on life right there? 
And that's not the truth of what's happening. So somebody with an ill intent put that picture online, and guess what happened? All of a sudden, that picture went up, and then people thinking people started saying, wait a second, this is nonsense. So you're telling me this guy who used to be a, a routine, regular actor on a, on a nationally syndicated show is now grinding to make some extra money to feed his family at a supermarket, and that's a bad thing? And then they started the tidal wave against it, and now he has a flood of opportunities that hit him. And now he's like turning things down. And you know he's going to be on Dancing with the Stars. We know this. <laughs> right? We know this. But you know the point is not all gossip demotes. Not all gossip dismisses. Sometimes it will actually promote you and be a catapult into your destiny. So everyone's opinion about you isn't enough to stop you. So stop getting so sensitive about what they say because it might be the very thing that God uses to propel you into your destiny. Three people believe it. It's okay to say amen in church. You know this is a full gospel black church, okay? I'm not going to apologize. That's how I was raised. I was not raised with the white people. <laughs> so we get loud in church and we shout down and we engage. Is that all right? Yes. Doesn't that even feel better? Yes. Nobody's going to slap you on the wrist with a ruler. <laughs> okay, so anyways, um, James chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 16. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Um, I want you to notice the word envy there. Can I define that in the Greek, which is the original language it was written in? Can I define that? Okay, it means it's, it comes from the word zealous, which you've probably heard the word zealot. It means fierce desire to promote one's own ideas and convictions to the exclusion of everyone else. That's deep. Go, ooh. Okay, next. In the case of James chapter 3, verse 16, the word presents a picture of a believer who is so obsessed, so gripped and preoccupied by his own view of things that he can't see or hear the view of anyone else. Do you know some Christians like that? In fact, it's a militant perspective that's made them lopsided in their thinking. So can I keep breaking it down? So that's the word envy. The word strife is taken from the Greek word erethea. And it's used by the ancient Greeks to determine political parties. So it conjures up the idea of taking sides, creating an agenda, pushing your agenda, and then polarizing the sides so that you can be in ultimate control. Do you know any Christians like that? Even the word strife is taken from a Greek word that use, is used to determine political party division. Man, that'll preach somebody. So political parties are formed by a group of people who have similar views. Say similar. So strife in the context of James chapter 3 verse 16. Strife is determined when you actually see who's my crew. Who thinks the way I think? And you know you find each other, right? Right? And then you sync up with them, and then you actually begin to form an agenda. Now, that agenda is both implicit and explicit. You know how sometimes you ended up in trouble and nobody planned that trouble, but it still happened anyways? That strife births that level of iniquity when people just like, I didn't have an official meeting or agenda. Isn't it funny how in the business world you can hardly schedule a meeting, but when it's time to gossip, everyone shows up? <laughs> 
And you know, I was thinking about I Heart My Church. The, the messages, the little clips from these messages, when I checked the insights, do you know that we actually had over 900,000 impressions on Facebook alone in the last month for the video content from this little stage in a movie theater? That's almost one million times people were exposed to the messages that are happening here on this stage. Isn't that amazing? But I don't think that says so much about how eloquent I am or am not. I think it says something about what God's doing in the church right now and this sentiment that's rising right now. And see, I have got a mandate from heaven to speak something to you today. This is why I feel less like a preacher, more like a prophet today. Because when I look at James chapter 3, verse 16, I see people in churches form their own faction, their own political party. They create an agenda, whether they did it on purpose or not, and they drive it to the point where it destroys people's lives. And I think that what's on me today is this mandate from God to say, what is the opposite of strife and envy and gossip? You know what I believe it is? The presence of the Holy Spirit. And I got that revelation, and here's why. James chapter 3, verse 16 says, where you see strife and envy, you have confusion and every other evil work. So the antithesis of that is where you see the manifest presence of God through the Holy Spirit, you will see the fullness of God's goodness and miraculous wonder-working power. And so the reason why I think that it's not the hexes and slaughtering animals and doing curses that actually conjure up the most evil, it's strife and envy and bickering, is because it's anti the culture that comes when the Holy Spirit is in a church. See, a lot of times people misappropriate the, what they experience at V1 as V1 culture. We've begun to say that phrase a lot. That's V1 culture. No, honey, it's the culture of heaven and the very manifestation of the Holy Spirit unifying a group of people. We are just using the barbaric words of English to try to quantify it and label it and transmit it. But it's ultimately what happens when the Holy Spirit is there. And the reason why that's so important it's because with James chapter 3, verse 16, this has ravaged churches. I was grieved in my heart because I, I found an article from the New Yorker, and it was written in the 70s, and it gave an account of this movement called the Jesus Movement. And when that movement hit, it, it rippled through New York, from New York City to Long Island, and this article in the New Yorker was saying that there are churches on Long Island that are growing by the hundreds and baptizing people. And all of a sudden, I was grieved in my spirit when I read that article because I'm like, I thought I was a pioneer here, but I'm not a pioneer like I thought I was because there was something here already. What happened? Like, what happened? What happened? Why, why did they call this place the graveyard of churches and the valley of dry bones by the time I showed up here from India? Can I tell you what happened? Chapter 3, verse 16, where there's your own agenda, where there's your own opinion, where there's no accountability, where there's strife, where there's people who worship their own greatness and their own destiny above the we, it becomes about the me. You will see a death of the movement of God in that region until people understand how to facilitate it. You know what? And this might be too deep for somebody, but I don't care because I've got to say it. We hear a lot of talk about revival. I don't think that God in his infinite wisdom is going to release a movement that we can't steward into discipleship. 
It's not a popular thing to say, but you know where discipleship happens? Here, every day. Every single Sunday you show up. That's where discipleship happens. And we're seeking these things outside of the organizational structure that's laid out in scripture. And it's not sustainable because guess what? I've talked to people who have been in the revivals all over the world. And I'm telling you, we've had a mess to clean up as a church of infidelity. People who, because guess what? There's life to live. Am I right? It's like you can't pray all day. It says pray without ceasing, but that's a disposition, not a position physically. You got to go to work. Paul was a tent maker, the very apostle that actually caused this movement to become so ubiquitous in his known part of the world that it showed up 2,000 years later to your front door. And he was building tents, side hustling, because he had to work to see it fulfilled. And we've got such a convoluted idea of what church is and what ministry is. My wife and I worked for seven and a half, eight years straight and did 40, 50 hours a week in the secular world and then came out and did another 40, 50 inside the context of the church because you can't pay for passion you can't pay for passion if you think you'll write more songs for the Lord because I put you on staff to do it you won't nobody tells the songbirds to sing when they wake up in the morning it's who they are and if you can't preach through kids ministry don't be preaching to the adults because they're just another human in a different stage of life let's come back to what it's really all about loving people surrendering your own opinion to be right because somebody needs you and when that video last week of me talking about you're different by design and it's your voice that's needing the choir begin to take off all over the world literally started to get messages from all over it's this growing sentiment that there is a place for me in the house of God but the counterbalance of that message that I have a mandate to tell you today is that in coming together in the unity of this thing called church you also must surrender something else and that's a hard word to hear. Can I tell you about elephants real quick? Can I tell you about elephants? So the reason why this word burns in my chest is because, you know, I was like a fake musician. I toured the world. I went to other countries. I did. I basically did the pinnacle of what happens when you do it all in your own power. Has anyone been there? Your highlight reel is just big enough for you to be delusional enough to keep chasing it, doing your own thing. And I kind of lived that life. And then about four years ago, I surrendered myself to this church that's 960 miles away from here in Indiana because I wanted to launch this church. And, and it was the weirdest thing because it was when I laid my agenda down, I laid my opinion down. It's when I, I, I truly feel like this is when I learned James chapter three, verse 16. This is our memory verse for today, okay? It's, I laid it all down and it was in that season that all of a sudden the sporadicness began to came, come over me and then God started releasing me into what he called me to do and I didn't have to politic, I didn't have to strive, I didn't have to work overly hard to open the doors to make it happen and go out to lunch with all the pastors and schmooze them and say the right things. It was a sovereign move of God because the Bible says the gift of God will make room for you not how many dinners you can take somebody to and how eloquently you can talk to them it says the gift of god will make room but i think that it first is preceded by humility am i right and so what happened was when i was in this church i mean i'm 900 some miles away from where i think i'm supposed to be and i'm surrendered and i started to do this very in-depth study because i was the executive pastor which means my job was not to be the number one it was to be the number two so i started getting the surrender surrenderedness in my heart where I said, God, I just want to be number one at being number two. 
and then something clicked that was jesus and i started reading all of the gospel through the lens of being of him being number one it being number two because jesus would say i'm not doing my own thing i'm doing what god sent me to do and so i said oh wow that's powerful but then i started to read this part about the elephants and so here's what happens you know how when teenagers maybe we got some teenagers in the room when you go through like a biological phase of puberty you typically in the developmental phase you start to rebel against the people that you identify most with you guys know this to be true right when i was a high school teacher we learned all about developmental phases and what and so what happens is if your mom has normal hair you dye your hair pink you know what i mean it's like whatever they do you want to do the opposite well in herds of elephants there's this thing that happens where about one percent of elephants will develop this they will express this genetic defect called going rogue everyone say rogue and so what it means is they get into this puberty phase of their development and a genetic expression tells them destroy everything around you and get as far away from this herd as you can is somebody following me right now? Am I preaching to somebody yet? And so that genetic defect begins to kick in and it begins to manifest itself. And what happens is those same, those same elephants that were a part of the herd leave the herd and they start destroying all the vegetation around it. And do you know, and this is, this is where it gets kind of crazy, even people who have devoted themselves to studying elephants and lovingly figuring about how they work, they will tell you that when one of the elephants go rogue, it's so detrimental to the health and the vitality of not just the whole rest of the herd, but also to all of the vegetation around, which has ecosystems of insects and other things connected to it, that their number one solution is to shoot the rogue elephant and kill it. And they do that for the preservation of the whole rest of the herd. Isn't that crazy? And I started studying this several years ago because what was happening to me, and I pray that somebody here hears me today because I promise you I will save you years. Because if you ask me why did it take you until you were this age to show up to your destiny, I'm going to tell you where I kept lapping the mountain and kept failing over and over. And I pray that you don't have to go through the same thing. Every single time I would get into the right church, the right ministry, the right pastors, the right pastoral covering, I would get right to the apex. Of, of the moment before I was getting ready to fulfill my destiny and that genetic spiritual thing would kick in and I would go rogue. I would leave the church. I would go to the next thing. I would chase my own my own my own destiny. I'd make another album. I, it was like whatever it would kick in to do that and and it was just like I could not holy submit and holy surrender to the house of god and that local church and i'm not talking about well we're all the church pastor no that's not you escaping attendance that's you escaping accountability right and so all of a sudden i would get to the point where i was getting ready to have that peter moment where i'm in one mind and one accord with the local body and then launched into what god had for me but i would miss it every single time and the reason why i would miss it is because i would go rogue now many of you are thinking like what does that mean it's kind of dark to think about the imagery of there being no other recourse but killing the elephant but can i tell you there's one other way that researchers have dis discovered and when i learned this a couple years ago it unlocked a whole next level for me what it is is this they found that in certain cases 
they're able to actually bring a strong mother or strong father elephant from that herd to actually come around and begin to lovingly bring them back into the 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 herd and as they do that repeatedly what they've they've seen happen is that 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 gene expression begins to change and it actually changes that elephant on a cellular level and they will go from rogue to being healthy and back in the herd but it takes a strong mother and a strong father breaking them down and bringing them back so i'm here to tell you you are meeting mama and papa elephant and i'm here to tell you you are not canceling your assignment you are not canceling your destiny you're not going to run away this time you're not going to go hop to another place you are going to dig in and do all that god's called you to do and unify with all these people that are messed up together and you know what the reason why i can say that is because that's what happened to me my mama and papa elephant for as weird as that sounds, is Dave and Vanessa Gargano at at Road to Life Church. And right at the moment where I tried to go rogue and I started tearing up the vegetation around me and starting sideways energy by having inappropriate conversations where I was talking about things in the church that I had no business talking about or critiquing because I wasn't on the level to even be over them and leading them. And and I begin to get into that crazy place we can all get into where we think that we know everything. And man, I went into his office and I laid everything bare and they said, we are going to lovingly pastor you through this rogue thing and bring you into a place where you can be completely healed of it. And it was so crazy because I literally did an Abraham and Isaac moment where I took all my dreams, threw them up on the altar, and I went to go plunge the dagger into it and say, God, I just want to do whatever you want me to do. And I'm listening to my pastors this time. And as I got that right in my heart, boom, New York was born that's literally the sequence of events and the reason why it's so important for me to communicate that to you is i've been sensing this new chapter this new season in v1 church and you are here to witness it this is more me talking in-house and i and it's always an indicator because of the types of people that god sends on that new assignment and for others there's been this sentiment Go rogue, this thing inside of you. Go rogue, go rogue. And the lies of the enemy, you're not connected. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares you. Nobody gets you. But that is the lie of the enemy. A third of the angels in the perfect environment of heaven believed the same lie and were dispelled with Lucifer as a result of it. And that's a hard word, but I want to tell you that it's in the upper room, united in one mind, one heart, one soul, that you'll be releasing what God called you to. And there's a spiritual family here that God wants to lovingly father you and mother you through. Would you just stand to your feet with me? You know, that that gossip, that talk, that opinion, it paralyzes us. It puts us into a position where even if our heart changes we've got this long list of things that we've already said that kind of ruminate in our heart and form a wedge against us and other people and i think that what i felt today was different it was it was some of you being able to know that you're home that you don't have to go rogue and you know what it kind of feels like it's like when people get remarried and they say well my last husband had a beard and so now i'm going to treat you 
him and everything that he did to me, you're probably going to do because you have a beard too. And I'm like, yo, Jesus had a beard as well, okay? (laughs) And I think that some of us have been through so many traumatic experiences in church that our new church experience becomes our second and third and fourth marriage. And the expectation has been completely decimated. I'm just kind of talking to you as a friend now. And, and I think for me, my last church before planting this church, I duked it out with my pastor about that. You're going to leave me. You're going to do this. You're gonna... And you know what? It was like on the other side of it, he changed that expectation with the consistency of his integrity. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Not if Pastor Julie and I fail you, but when will you still say yes to God's plan in your life here at V1 Church? You're not going to hear that preached at a lot of places, but I'm a human being. It's not great as my pastor. It's great as my God. Great is the Lord. And you know what my life story is going to be? If God could use him, surely he could use you too. And so the best message that I have to leave you with, with I Heart My Church right now, is, is there's power in commitment. You know, I said this first service, and we're going to pray it out and close it out right now, but I committed to my wife. There was a time, you know, it was crazy. It showed up in my time hop for Facebook, so Facebook is good for something. And you know what showed up in my time hop as I was getting prepared for this to preach this message today? It, it was a picture of my wife and I renewing our vows on the other end of our separation. And that's what popped up in my time hop today on Facebook. And I looked at it and I was reminded of something that one of my mentors told me. He said, your kids are going to believe that you love them based on how you love their mother. And that's like a hard word to hear because you'd like to think it's different, but it's just something about the culture of honor because they love their mother. And so how you treat their mother is how they feel that you truly love them. And I looked at Mike Signorelli renewing his vows years and years ago on the other end of all that tragedy. And I said, you know what? I committed to an imperfect person named Julie and she committed to an imperfect person named Michael. But because we did that, my da- I'll never have to worry about my daughter dating the wrong guy because I've become the standard for love now. And, sh- and she's gonna say, you know what? I've gotta find a guy who loves my mother the way that my father loved her. And yeah, mom was annoying. She didn't get it all the time because teenagers think that way. But I seen the way that he loved her through every season of life till death do them part. And I need to find a guy that becomes the, even if she can never articulate it, that becomes the standard by which she judges all other men. And the reason why that's so important to even say to you is the world is watching how you love your church. Because see, Jesus so loved the world god so loved the world that he gave his son jesus right but then jesus gave his life for the bride called the church so jesus love is manifested in the fact that we're here in a movie theater right now so on down the line of leadership you're next will you as the bride reciprocate your love for the the church and love those around you here so i'm going to end this on not foaming at the mouth and scream preaching like usual that's what I like to do. But I want to do what the Holy Spirit told me to do. I want you guys to dignify the humanity of everyone around you today. And on your way out from church, I want you to look somebody in the, in the eyes. And I want you to tell them something that you love or you like about them. 
Now, if you're new here and this has already been the weirdest experience of your life, just tell someone, I really like your teeth. That goes over real well universally. <laughs> but if you feel like you've observed somebody, man, here's, I love the consistency to show up to the house of God. I love the way that you have been fathering your family and been such an example. I mean, something, I love the way that you never give up. Even when you didn't feel good enough because you fell off for a while, you still showed up to the house of God. I love that. And I believe that a spirit of suicide is going to be canceled as you guys mobilize to show not just I love my church, but I love the people who are the church. You know what I'm saying? This series, I Love My Church, wasn't I love a movie theater, I love merchandise, I love lights, I love a screen. It was I love Tim Bushing, I love Aaron, I love Nick. That's what I love my church means. I love that messed up person and that messed up person and that frail person and, and I love and I love myself. That's what you're saying when you say I love my church. I love the part of me that keeps failing God. I love the piece of you that keeps failing me. I love you with a supernatural love that flows from the cross of Calvary on down all the way here to Long Island. I love you with that love. Give me permission to love you if you give me permission to receive that love. Can we do that today, church? Can we do that today? So I want to pray for you. I want you guys to just make a commitment in your heart. I just, I feel like we are getting ready to go into warp mode here at V1 Church, and I need you. I need you. You are needed in this hour. This church needs you to be you, not to be a carbon copy of me, not to be the person next to you, but you to be you and to contribute what God's deposited in you because this church is a hybrid seed of the end times and the early times. And when it first started, they said they met all their needs amongst each other because of their radical generosity. That's the church of Acts. Can we be that kind of church? I mean, look at the diversity in this room. Every color, every, we got multiple nations represented. I went before I came down to preach up to the babies and was inspecting that and seeing how they're doing and looking at all the beautiful babies of every color and just, we, I, there's something about this church that there's some, that, and I feel like if we can be intentional about what the Holy Spirit's already manifesting in our midst, we are going to baptize people by the hundreds out here and we are going to see a restoration of what God's been wanting to do because he will trust you to steward it. So let me pray. Father, today, may they be an expression of your love. Father, today, may they acknowledge the, not just the humanity of each other's shortcomings, but acknowledge your spirit that's been deposited in them if they've received your son, Jesus. Father, may the words that are released today be a balm that heals from the words that other church people may be wounded from. May we just begin to come under a sporadicness of apologies and Father God, confessions to one another of our sins and how, how Father, we have a boulder in our heart that we're gonna release to each other today, God. May we just move in a supernatural love. May we be blessed, Father, as we forgive those who have, Father God, done things to us that have almost took us out of the game. And Father, I pray that this church would be a church that when we say, I love my church, we're not talking about V1 Church. We're talking about your bride that you died for. In Jesus' name, I pray. Can everyone say?
Man, that was such an amazing message from Pastor Mike. Thanks so much for tuning in to the very end of the podcast. We believe so much in putting out content that is going to help you realize and reach your potential. So we believe in you, we're rooting for you, and we would love to hear from you. If this message impacted you, if you felt like God was speaking to you, you can actually download our app by searching V1 Church, either on Apple or Android, and we would love to hear from you. We want to hear your stories, and we want to connect with you. So there's multiple ways you can get plugged into V1 Church just through our app. So we hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that you have an amazing rest of your day, week, month, year, wherever and whenever you're listening from. We'll see you next time.